Now, as Peter went here and there among them all, he came down also to the saints who lived in Lydda. There he found a man named Aeneas, bedridden for eight years, who was paralyzed. And Peter said to him, Aeneas, Jesus Christ heals you. Rise and make your bed. And immediately he rose. And all the residents of Lydda and Sharon saw him and they turned to the Lord. Now there in Joppa, a disciple named Tabitha, which translated means Dorcas. She was full of good works and acts of charity. In those days, she became ill and died. And when they had washed her, they laid her in an upper room. Since Lydda was near Joppa, the disciples, hearing that Peter was there, sent two men to him, urging him, please come to us without delay. So Peter rose and went with them. And when he arrived, they took him to the upper room. All the widows stood beside him, weeping and showing tunics and other garments that Dorcas made while she was with them. But Peter put them all outside and knelt down and prayed. And turning to the body, he said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes, and when she saw Peter, she sat up. And he gave her his hand and raised her up. Then, calling the saints and widows, he presented her alive. And it became known throughout all Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. And he stayed in Joppa for many days with one Simon, a tanner. But as we begin, let me ask us this question. Have you watched the news recently? Now, of course, by the news, what we normally mean in this country is the bad news. But maybe at the moment, your feeling is particularly, well, awful. So there are tragedies and atrocities, as there sadly often are. But particularly at the moment, the news seems to keep talking about the challenges that we in this country are going to have to face. To heat our homes, to even feed our children, to even to be seen at the hospital. Now, there are always people who say, I just can't bear to watch the news. But maybe at the moment, there are even more. They just can't face hearing what might come next. There is such bad news. Well, into this world of bad news, the message of Acts chapter 9 is good news. Item number one on this news report, the sick are healed. The sick are healed. So if you like, our news report, the first item is coming from this place called Lydda. Now, in the Old Testament times, this was a place known as Lod, and that's actually its name today. It's a town of about 80,000 people. But in the mid-first century AD, it had this Greek name, Lydda. Now look at verse 33. That tells us that on his travels, Peter, 
who of course had been one of Jesus' disciples, found a man named Aeneas, bedridden for eight years, who was paralyzed. Now we find this all through Acts. Luke describes things very succinctly, but just imagine that sentence and what must lie behind it, a world of pain. Found a man named Aeneas, bedridden for eight years, who was paralyzed, so stuck in that bed. Eight long years already, and presumably no hope of any change in the years to come. Probably in severe discomfort, maybe worse, maybe chronic, even excruciating pain. But no doubt, not just these physical difficulties. Probably unable to earn an income, so maybe knowing poverty firsthand. The indignity of having to depend on others for basic bodily functions. And that's even before we think of the missing out on all those experiences that most just take for granted. No going round to visit a friend, no evening walks as the sun sets. The sheer loneliness of life for Aeneas. Now London has plenty of Aeneases today. We don't see them, of course, because they can't get out. But behind closed doors, maybe an hour block of flats, maybe along our street in our neighborhood, there will be such pain and loss and hopelessness. And sadly, if you like, the paralyzed and the bedridden are just a start. Maybe there are those who maybe can walk but suffer greatly in other ways, significant medical conditions. Earlier this week, I visited one of the big London hospitals, not for me, and as I arrived, an ambulance did screech up into A&E at great speed, only to join the line of other ambulances lined outside. Who knows what pain was inside those vehicles. Inside, in a waiting room, not surprisingly, hardly a word spoken, but behind those blank, expressionless faces again, no doubt, very difficult life situations. Did you know one in five Londoners are classified as disabled? So no doubt, again, financial hardship and all the rest that follows from that. If you're going to talk of older Londoners, two in five are classed as disabled. So for them, really, if you like, not much to look forward to, except increasing infirmity and immobility. Ours is a city that is really hurting. And I know that as I say this, that for some here, you'll know this sort of situation from your own personal experience. Maybe you yourself experience this or someone that you love. You want to scream, it just shouldn't be like this, you feel. And of course, that's absolutely right. It should not be like this. But then again, why scream? What's the point? What good will that do? What can be done for the Aeneases of our world, of our city? Well, now look at verse 34. And Peter said to him, Aeneas, Jesus Christ heals you. Rise and make your bed. And immediately he rose. Luke's at it again, such a brief description. But what a staggering outcome. What a transformation. Those locals in Lydda would know full well Aeneas was a long-term paralytic for life. Now here he was, walking, active, 
making his bed before their eyes. Imagine the joy, the elation, the utterly transformed life for Aeneas. So what is Luke telling us? Well, to state the obvious, such good news. And as we read it, we are meant to hear for our world, for our city, for our neighbours, for our families. Here is such good news. We've got a number of doctors in our congregation. We like them very much indeed. But we, as they know, the very best they can do sometimes is simply to manage a condition as it goes from bad to worse. The hope is gone. But here we find such good news, an utter reversal. Notice not a slow, gradual change of direction. It's an immediate, complete turnaround health and vitality. Maybe today you are sick, you are unwell, you have a disability, maybe you are in pain, you have little hope of a normal life, let alone a better life. There is such good news for you. Come to Jesus and you will be healed. Tell me, where else on earth can good news like this be found? The sick are healed. And then there's a further news flash coming in. Now it's from down the road in Joppa. Now this is the place where Jonah the prophet once was. Today it's called Jaffa. But in first century Joppa, well, there was news not of a disaster, but actually of, well, can you believe it, even better News, in fact, almost unbelievably good news. The dead are raised. So the sick won't always be healed, at least not immediately. Death will come. What then? Well, that's the situation as we join the action in Joppa. There is the body of Tabitha or Dorcas lying still. A scene, isn't it, of such pathos is described for us. Those who know Tabitha are weeping and speaking fondly of her, of her life, of her service, the ways that she helped others. But now that life has gone. And again, no doubt they were asking, it just shouldn't be this way, should it? We often live in denial, but all too often we too are forced to face up to situations like this as I was preparing. On the news, there was news of the mountain biker, Rob Wardell. He was in the news last week. On Sunday, he won the Scotland Cross Country Mountain Bike Championship. So therefore, he was an exceptionally fit young man. And then on Monday night, he was actually on the news. But do you remember that good news slot they have at the end to cheer us all up? So he was there being interviewed about his victory on Monday evening. It was just a few hours later in bed that night, he went into cardiac arrest and he couldn't be saved. Some here will at some point face their own death. And maybe it'll be sooner than you think. In fact, maybe it's on your mind constantly. Maybe it keeps you awake at night. Well, if that's you, listen to this, verse 40. But Peter put them all outside and knelt down and prayed. And turning to the body, he said, Tabitha, arise. 
and she opened her eyes. And when she saw Peter, she sat up. I mean, what do you say? It's undeniable it happened. There were so many witnesses right there. They knew Tabitha was dead. They had washed the stone-cold corpse, but dead no more. She's alive. Here is such good news. Of course, as we read this, for each of us, sooner or later, there will no longer be any breath in this body. Come to Jesus and you will be raised from the dead. As we've heard here at the 4pm, we are very pleased to welcome newcomers, visitors, those passing through, those just walking and came and joined us in our meeting today. Whatever reason you're here, you are very welcome. And maybe what you've heard so far has well stunned you. This is news to you. You're hearing this for the very first time. This healing, this life that is on offer. But I take it, if that is you, you must be thinking, well... <laughs> How? How on earth can this be possible? If you or any of us are not thinking that, you're simply not taking this seriously. Maybe you have heard these things maybe many times before. Even as it was read earlier, you just switched off. It did not move you in the slightest because you just have put this in the fairy story category. It's simply, well, just too good to be true. It's make-believe. And there must be some catch. What is all this all about? And it's concerns like that that Luke, the author of the book of Acts, wants to address. He's recorded this undeniable eyewitness account of what has happened, that we can be sure about that. But it's not just that Luke wants us to be sure that it happened back then. Luke wants you and me to be persuaded today that this sort of thing is no mere history lesson. It didn't just happen then. So what is he wanting to tell us? What is this good news for a hurting and a dying world? Well, Luke wants us to be sure how we can benefit from this, these 2,000 years later. If what happened there is true, then that is a vital question. Is this really for us and for our world? And if so, how? And Luke knows he is dealing with very significant issues. So he's written his account really carefully. Even in these short verses, he's chosen his details with great care. He's expecting us to listen carefully and to put it together with the rest of what he has written in his gospel, Luke's gospel and Acts, to see how we and the world can benefit from this today. So how can there be healing and life like this? Well, first, we must realize this is done by Jesus, the King. So you can ask, who did these miracles? At first sight, someone might say, well, it was Peter. But of course, Peter does not want us to think that. Look at verse 34 again, where Peter said to Aeneas, Jesus Christ heals you. Now, this fits with what Luke has said. At the beginning of this book of Acts, he tells us that back in his gospel, he recorded all that Jesus began to do and teach while he was on earth. But Luke's point now is, yes, we all know Jesus has risen and ascended to heaven. 
He's no longer on earth, but Luke wants us to be convinced Jesus is not only alive, but at work in the world. And that's what Acts is all about. So as we've heard what happens in Lydda and Joppa, we are to think that is Jesus at work. How could even Jesus do what no one else in all the world can do? Well, again, Peter tells us, he says, Jesus Christ heals you. Jesus can do this because of who he is. Remember, Christ is not Jesus' surname, it's his title. A title that means Messiah, anointed one, in particular, King. And it's got a backstory in the Old Testament. Isaiah, for example, had explained that when God's King comes into the world, you might be familiar with these words, the promise was the lame man would leap like a deer. The dead shall rise, their bodies rise. Well, the renowned atheist Christopher Hitchens, he once wrote this book, God is Not Great. And early on, he asks this question. He thinks it's a knockdown argument. He says, if Jesus could heal a blind person he happened to meet, then why not heal blindness? Which, in fact, is to miss the point spectacularly. Jesus, the king, did come to heal blindness. Likewise, he came not only for the isolated paralytic, but to heal paralysis. So what we are here seeing in Lydda and Joppa is the breaking in of this kingdom of the king. It's pointing us to a world, a place where there will be no blindness, paralysis or death. So this is done by Jesus, God's king. And also Luke wants us to realize what is happening is that people are being raised like Jesus. Always worth paying attention to repetition, especially if the point is labored. You'll see what I mean. So let's have a look. Verse 34, Peter said to Aeneas, rise. And immediately he rose. But look what Luke does next. He then says, verse 39, even Peter rose. Then, verse 40, Peter said, Tabitha, arise. Astonishingly, the corpse, end of verse 40, sat up. And so, verse 41, Peter raised her up. Do you see what Luke is doing? Do you know why he's doing it? Because he's used this language of rise and raised before. While on earth, Jesus himself said to a paralytic, rise. And he did. Jesus said to another dead female, arise. And she did. But most of all, at the end of Luke's gospel, Luke declares this, thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead. And then you go into Acts. At the beginning of Acts, it says, God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death. And again, this Jesus, God raised up. And just in case we haven't yet made this connection, notice how in verse 41, Peter presented Tabitha alive. Slightly odd way to say it, but it's meant to remind us in the third verse of Acts, right at the beginning, Jesus presented himself alive. Luke wants us to make this connection. There is hope for the world. What we have just been reading is not a fantastical dream world. 
Healing the sick, raising the dead is possible because Jesus rose from the dead. Many witnesses have testified we can be convinced that disease and death and decay are defeated. What this world needs is the resurrection power of Jesus. And that is exactly what he gives to this world. It is such good news. There's more that Luke wants us to realize and to think through. He wants us to know Jesus will do this through the apostolic word. And I'm sorry, that is a bit of a mouthful. So what does it mean? Well, bear with me, through the apostolic word. The key thing again is to notice details, which again, if we were just not really concentrating, we wouldn't have noticed. But why is it that here we are in Acts 9, at the beginning of this little section, we are focusing on Peter. Why him? Well, the point is that Luke has labored a bit earlier in Acts is that he's one of the apostles, one of Jesus' first disciples. And in Luke uh, Acts 1, when Jesus rose from the dead, he showed himself at first only to them because he wanted them to know what was going to happen now that he ascended into heaven. And he wants us to know that these apostles have a very special role. So then in that first chapter, you read on to verse 8. I've printed it on the sheets. This is now the agenda that Jesus sets. As he says to the apostles, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So those first apostles, those first followers of Jesus were in a unique position because of course they'd been with Jesus from when Jesus was baptized by John all the way through right until Jesus' resurrection appearances. They'd heard all the teaching, they'd seen what he had done. And so they could speak as witnesses and take that to Jerusalem, to Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. So in Acts, what we are doing really is following the spread of the word, but actually particularly in these apostles. Why does Luke, again, labor this point? Because he's teaching us, he's training us. He's wanting us to realize that this healing and life from Jesus, it is on offer, it does come, because Jesus is still at work, but he does it through this apostolic word of Peter and the other apostles. So we need to realize that, of course, Jesus is no longer on earth, nor, of course, are his apostles. So how can we benefit? How can we serve this needy world and city around us? Well, Luke has said and trained us, well, you haven't got the apostles themselves, but in one sense, that's not what you need. What you need is their words, which we have in our Bibles. These are no die, dry, dull, academic words. These are the very words of Jesus through which Jesus has promised to heal the sick and raise the dead. So pass on what the apostles saw and their account of it. So do we want others to share in the sort of blessings that we've been thinking about this afternoon? Well, share this powerful word. A reminder for us here at the 4pm as we start a new year, that's why we put so much effort into our small groups and particularly Matthew's gospel, those new to us, so that they can come directly and hear from the apostles about Jesus, the what he can do and the ways he is at work. That's for the grown-ups, like most of us, but the youth in Bridge or Youth RML, you're in Mark's gospel this term. Just the same, the youth of London need to hear the apostles' words because after all, the young people around us today will not be young and fit and healthy for very long at all, really. 
They need resurrection life. Next, Luke wants us to realize this good news is for out-of-the-way places. So remember that agenda we just thought about at the beginning of Acts? Then Acts 1 to 7 are in Jerusalem. Then Acts 8 to 9, the word of the apostles, Jesus' work goes out to Judea and Samaria. And in fact, Luke gives us a progress update report just before our passage. Look back to verse 31. So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up. And walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. So there, if you like, Luke is taking a big picture view. He's saying, look, the master plan is being worked out across the world. But as you read it, of course, at the same time, you often ask, but what does that look like on the ground? Which is why then Luke takes us to Joppa and to Lydda to fill in the details. Now, those places, Joppa and Lydda, they are well outside Jerusalem. In fact, the Jerusalem cultural elite would dismiss them. Backwater places, nothing ever happens there that matters to anyone. They're right out on the edge of Judea. No action, they would almost never get on the national news. But look at this. As the apostolic word spreads, what happens in places like this? Well, Luke shows us the same miracles as Jesus did and has happened in Jerusalem. The same kingdom blessings, the same resurrection life as a gift from the king. Now, next week, we're going to think more about this geographical spread of the apostolic word, so come back for that. But still this week, next, this good news is for ordinary people. Now, of course, Aeneas would have been known by some in Lydda. Tabitha was obviously loved in her community in Joppa. But of course, beyond, if you like, those local circles, well, these were nobodies. After this incident, we never hear of them again in the rest of the Bible. But there is actually something very unusual in both these accounts, which you would have probably more likely to notice if we were reading Acts straight through. We know their names. Luke names them, Aeneas and Tabitha. Very rarely does Luke name the beneficiary of miracles. But it seems he wants to emphasize right here, just as the gospel spreads to these out-of-the-way places, Luke has this point to make. These people matter. They are known by the king, King Jesus, who gives them life. On holiday this summer, we as a family visited a rural church in the middle of, well, nowhere. It was mostly older people there, and I got chatting to one older gentleman in particular when I said I was visiting from London. I mean, he stared at me as if I was some strange creature, and he started asking about life in London as if it was another world. And no doubt most people in London would probably think the same of this place, which they will have never have heard of. And of course, they wouldn't really care what goes on there. But in this church, it was obvious that the words of Jesus were at the heart of what happened. So therefore, in that far-off place that maybe most of us here will have never heard of, full of very ordinary people, well, good news. They were fully experiencing the blessings of Jesus' kingdom, just like anywhere else. Let's think even further away. 
at St. Helens, we've got mission partners serving with remote people groups in northern Nigeria. Another mission partner serves with rural Cambodian tribes people. But it's the same good news. And with the same apostolic word, those peoples receive just the same wonderful blessings from the king. But let's bring it back here. Many people, even in this big city of London, feel very ordinary. Maybe even feel on the edge of things. And maybe that is actually you. You see all the ways others seem to be enjoying life. The good things seem to be passing you by. Others always seem to get the good stuff, but not you. These more important people, supposedly. Not at all. Jesus is for you. He has life to give. And so finally, and of vital importance, so who then is it that gets to share in this resurrection life of Jesus now and into eternity? Well, this life will be enjoyed by all those who repent and believe. Now, early in Acts, back in the capital, back in Jerusalem at Pentecost, Peter gave the first sermon and he called for a response, which was this. He said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. So the response to this Jesus is to believe in him, that he's the Christ, God's king, and to turn to him in repentance. So now we are out in the sticks. We are in Lydda and Joppa. What is the response that is required? Well, first look at verse 35. And all the residents of Lydda and Sharon saw him and they turned to the Lord. They turned, that is, repented. They recognized Jesus as king and responded as such. And then in our twin account, look at the end there, verse 42. And it became known throughout all Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. So do you just see what Luke has done by putting these two passages side by side? He's just given us a snapshot, a reminder of what it is to respond to Jesus. It is the same for everyone. Whether you are a very important person in Jerusalem or London or wherever it is, or someone feeling on the very edge of things, again, wherever, it's the same. Through Luke, we've seen Jesus at work. We've seen again, he is the king. The Lord, well, we're to believe that because that's who he is and then turn and repent and live his way. So even this short passage is a challenge for all of us at the start of this busy new year. Of course, we have many concerns and pressures on our minds, but do you believe Jesus is doing this? That he's alive, that he's active at work? It's obvious, isn't it, that this coming term, year, whatever, Jesus has to be at the center of our attention. It would be madness not if this is how he's at work today. Of course, not a Jesus that we make up of our own imagination, but this real Jesus, the living Jesus, the one that we find in his apostolic word. We must keep believing him, trusting him, living his way. So as we conclude then, why did Luke record these two incidents side by side here in Acts 9? Was it to get our hopes up? Absolutely. Of course that's why he wrote it. 
Luke wants you and me to know and be persuaded that in this world of disease, disability and death, there is this stunning hope. If you meet any of those things this week in the world, think Jesus can and will do something about this. Such good news. There is no human condition that is irreversible. In fact, we can be more healthy than we ever were before. Come to Jesus the King and he will freely share with anyone his resurrection life. Now, of course, there are some today who want to be healed physically immediately. And that is completely understandable because our world should not be this way. There is so much pain. But notice the primary response of this passage is that it is essential that we repent and believe and trust in this king. If we do that, will we then be healed? Yes, is the first answer. In full. Although not necessarily immediately or in the next few years or decades. We will still need to trust in this Jesus, this King. But what will happen immediately, because Jesus has promised it, is that we will be forgiven. And in fact, that is to enjoy the very best health of all. Forgiven people are full members of Jesus' kingdom. And then they will have a glorious, healthy future ahead. I'll lead us in a prayer. Our Father, we do praise you for this resurrection power revealed, first of all, in Jesus' own resurrection from the dead and now shared with those in his kingdom. Thank you for this apostle's word which we have about Jesus so that we can savour him and know him and share him with others. We thank you so much that in this world that is so hurting and in pain, that Jesus is still at work, that he is sharing his resurrection life with anyone who will come to him for it. Amen.